The second chapter, 26, of Demos, a story of English socialism. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Naomi Brewster, Melbourne, Australia. Demos, a story of English socialism, by George Gissing. The second chapter, 26. The making of virtue of necessity, though it argues lack of ingeniousness, is perhaps preferable to the wholly honest demonstration of snarling over one's misfortunes. It may result in good even to the hypocrite, who occasionally surprises himself with the pleasure he finds in wearing a front of nobility, and is thereby induced to consider the advantages of upright behaviour adopted for its own sake. Something of this kind happened in the case of Richard Mutimer. Seeing that there was no choice but to surrender his fortune, he set to work to make the most of abdication, and with the result that the three weeks occupied in settling his affairs at New Wanley and withdrawing from the manor were full of cheerful activity. He did not meet Hubert Alden, all business being transacted through Mr. Yottle. When he heard from the latter that it was Alden's intention to make a clean sweep of mines, works and settlements, though for a moment chagrined, he speedily saw that such action, by giving dramatic completeness to his career at Wanley, and investing its close with something of dramatic pathos, was in truth what he should most have desired. It enabled him to make his departure with an air of profounder sadness. Henceforth, no gross facts would stand in the way of his rhetoric when he should enlarge on the possibilities thus nipped in the bud. He was more than ever a victim of cruel circumstances. He could speak with noble bitterness of his life's work having been swept into oblivion. He was supported by a considerable amount of epistolary sympathy. The local papers made an interesting story of what had happened in the old church at Wanley, and a few of the London journals reported the circumstances. In this way, Mutimer became known to a wider public than had hitherto observed him. Not only did his fellow unionists write to encourage and moralise, but a number of these people, who are ever ready to indict letters to people of any prominence, the honestly admiring and the windily egotistic, addressed communications either to Wanley Manor or to the editor of the Fiery Cross. Mutimer read eagerly every word of each most insignificant scribbler. His eyes gleamed and his cheeks grew warm. All such letters he brought to Adela and made her read them aloud. He stood with his hands behind his back, his face slightly elevated and at a listening angle. At the end he regarded her, and his look said, Behold the man who is your husband. But at length there came one letter distinct from all the rest. It had the seal of a government office. With eyes which scarcely credited what they saw, Mutimer read some twenty or thirty words from a minister of the crown a gentleman of vigorously radical opinions, who had, 
heard with much regret that the undertaking conceived and pursued with such single-hearted zeal had come to an untimely end mutimer rushed to adela like a schoolboy who has a holiday to announce read that now what do you think of that now there's some hope of a statesman like that adela gave forth a letter in a voice which was all too steady but she said i am very glad it must gratify you he writes very kindly you'll have to help me to make an answer adela smiled but said nothing the ceremonious opening of the hall at new wanley had been a great day mutimer tried his best to make the closing yet more effective mr westlake was persuaded to take the chair but this time the oration was by the founder himself there was a numerous assembly mutimer spoke for an hour and a quarter reviewing what he had done and enlarging on all that he might and would have done there was as much applause as even he could desire the proceedings closed with the reading of an address which was signed by all the people of the works a eulogium and expression of gratitude not without one or two sentences of fiery socialism the spokesman was a fine fellow of six feet two a man named redgrave the ideal of a revolutionist workman he was one of the few at the works whom adela from observation of their domestic life had learnt sincerely to respect before reading the document he made a little speech of his own and said in conclusion he is an example of how the law does justice in a capitalist society the man who makes a grand use of money has it all taken away from him by the man who makes no use of it at all except to satisfy his own malice and his own selfishness if we don't one and all swear to do our utmost to change such a state of things as that all i can say is we're a poor lot and deserve to be worse treated than the animals that haven't the sense to use their strength in his reply to the address richard surpassed himself he rose in excitement the words that rushed to his lips could scarcely find articulate flow after the due thanks to-morrow i go to london i go as poor as the poorest of you a mechanical engineer in search of work whether i shall find it or not there is no saying if they turn me out because of my opinions three years ago it is not very likely that they've grown fond of me by this time as poor as the poorest of you i say most of you probably know that a small legacy is left to me under the will which gives this property into other hands that money will be used every penny of it for the furtherance of our cause it was a magnificent thought one of those inspirations which reveal latent genius the hall echoed with shouts of glorification adela who sat with her mother and letty mrs westlake had not accompanied her husband kept her eyes fixed on the ground the uproar made her head throb all seemed to be over and dispersal was beginning when a gentleman stood up in the middle of the hall and made signs that he wished to be heard for a moment mutimer aided him in gaining attention it was mr yottle a grizzle-haired ruddy-cheeked veteran of the law 
i merely desire to use this opportunity of reminding those who have been employed at the works that mr elton will be glad to meet them in the hall at half-past ten o'clock to-morrow morning it will perhaps be better if the men alone attend as the meeting will be strictly for business purposes adela was among the last to leave as she was moving between the rows of benches mr westlake approached her he had only arrived in time to take his place on the platform and he was on the point of returning to london i have a note for you from stella he said she has been ailing for a fortnight it wasn't safe for her to come but she will soon see you i hope i hope so adela replied mechanically as she took the letter mr westlake only added his good-bye and went to take leave of mutima who was standing at a little distance among those who remained to talk with the hero of the day was our old friend keen keen had risen in the world being at present sub-editor of the belwick journal his appearance had considerably improved and his manner was more ornate than ever he took mutimer by the arm and led him aside a suggestion something that occurred to me whilst you were speaking you must write the history of new wanley not too long a thing that could be printed in pamphlet form and sold at a penny or two pence speak to westlake see if the union won't publish some simple title my work in new wanley for instance i see that it's well noticed in our rag not a bad idea mutimer explained throwing back his head trust me not half bad be of use in the propaganda just think it over and if you care to allow me to read it in manuscript there's a kind of art eh you know what i mean it's only to be got by journalistic practice yes my work in new Arnley, i think that would do i'm going to lecture at commonwealth hall next sunday mutimer observed i'll take that for my title by the by now what was i going to say oh yes how is mrs rodman tolerable i believe in london presumably yes not much not taking it to heart much i hope not particularly i think i should be glad to be remembered a word when you see her thanks mutimer thanks i must be off adela was making haste to reach the manor that she might read stella's letter she and her husband were to dine this evening with the waltham's a farewell meal with difficulty she escaped from her mother and letty stella's letter demanded a quarter of an hour of solitude she reached her room and broke the envelope stella never wrote at much length but to-day there were only a few lines my love to you hearts darling i am not well enough to come and i think it likely you had rather i did not but in a few hours you'll be near me come as soon as ever you can i wait for you like the earth for spring stella she kissed the paper and put it in the bosom of her dress it was time to go to her mother's she found her mother and letty with grave faces something seemed to have disturbed them letty tried to smile and appear at ease but mrs walton was at no pains to hide the source of her dissatisfaction 
did you know that adela she asked with vexation about the annuity i mean had richard spoken to you of his intention adela replied with a simple negative she had not given the matter a thought then he certainly should have done it was his duty i consider to tell me it is an express contradiction of all he has led me to understand what are you going to live on i should like to know it is very unlikely that he will find a position immediately he is absolutely reckless wickedly thoughtless my dear it is not too late even now i insist on your staying with us until your husband has found an assured income the idea of your going to live in lodgings in an obscure part of london is more than i can bear and now it really appalls me adela my child it's impossible for you to go under these circumstances the commonest decency will oblige him to assent to this arrangement my dear mother adela replied seriously pray do not reopen that it surely ought to be needless for me to repeat that it is my duty to go to london but adela darling began letty very timorously wouldn't it be relieving your husband how much freer would he be to look about knowing you are here safe and in comfort i really i do really think mother is right before adela could make any reply there sounded a knock at the front door richard came in he cast a glance around at the three the others might have escaped his notice but mrs waltham was too plainly perturbed has anything happened he asked in an off-hand way i am distressed more than i can tell you began his mother-in-law surely you did not mean what you said about the money mother came from adele's lips but she checked herself mutimer thrust his hands into his pockets and stood smiling yes i meant it but pray what are you and adela going to live upon i don't think we shall have any difficulty but surely one must more than think in a matter such as this you mustn't mind me speaking plainly richard adela is my only daughter and the thought of her undergoing needless hardships is so dreadful to me that i really must speak i have a plan and i'm sure you will see that it is the very best for all of us allow adela to remain with me a little while just till you have have made things straight it certainly would ease your mind she is so very welcome to share our home you would feel less hampered i am sure you will consent to this mutimer's smile died away he avoided mrs waltham's face and let his eyes pass in a cold gaze from letty who almost shrank to adela who stood with an air of patience what do you say to this he asked of his wife in a tone civil indeed but very far from cordial i have been trying to show mother that i cannot do as she wishes it is very kind of her but unless you think it would be better for me to stay i shall of course accompany you you can stay if you like adela understood too well what that permission concealed i have no wish to stay mutimer turned his look on mrs waltham without saying anything then i can say no more mrs waltham replied but you must understand that i take leave of my daughter with the deepest concern 
i hope you will remember that her health for a long time has been anything but good and that she was never accustomed to do hard and coarse work we won't talk any more of this mother adela interposed firmly i am sure you need have no fear that i shall be tried beyond my strength you must remember that i go with my husband the high-hearted one she would have died rather than let her mother perceive that her marriage was less than happy to the end she would speak that word my husband when it was necessary to speak at all with the confidence of a woman who knows no other safeguard against ills of life to the end she would shield the man with her own dignity and protect him as far as possible against himself mutimer smiled again this time with satisfaction i certainly think we can take care of ourselves he remarked briefly in a few minutes they were joined by alfred who had only just returned from belwick and dinner was served it was not a cheerful evening at adela's request it had been decided in advance that the final leave-taking should be to-night she and mutimer would drive to agworth station together with alfred the first thing in the morning at ten o'clock the parting came letty could not speak for sobbing she kissed adela and hurried from the room mrs walton preserved a rather frigid stateliness good-bye my dear she said when released from her daughter's embrace i hope i may have some good news from you with mutimer she shook hands it was a starry and cold night the two walked side by side without speaking when they were fifty yards on their way a figure came out of a corner of the road and adela heard letty call her name i will overtake you she said to her husband adela my sweet i couldn't say good-bye to you in the house letty hung about her dear one's neck adela choked she could only press her cheek against that moist one write me often oh write often letty sobbed and tell me the truth darling will you it will all be well dear sister adela whispered oh that is a dear name always call me that i can't say good-bye darling you'll come to see us as soon as ever you can as soon as i can letty adela found her husband awaiting her what did she want he asked with genuine surprise only to say good-bye why she had said it once the interior of the manor was not yet disturbed but all the furniture was sold and would be taken away on the morrow they went to the drawing-room after some insignificant remarks mutimer asked what letter was that westlake gave you it was from stella from mrs westlake he paused then will you let me see it certainly if you wish she felt for it in her bosom and handed it to him it shook in her fingers why does she think you'd rather she didn't come i suppose because the occasion seems to her painful i don't see that it was painful at all what did you think of my speech the first or the second both if you like i meant the first you told the story well you'll never spoil me by over-praise adela was silent about this he resumed tapping the note which he still held i don't think you need go there very often it seems to me you don't get much good from them 
she looked at him inquiringly theirs isn't the kind of socialism i care much about he continued with an air of giving a solid reason it seems to me that westlake's going off on a road of his own and one that leads nowhere all that twaddle today about the development of society i don't think he spoke of me as he might have done you'll see there won't be half a report in the fiery cross adela was still silent i don't mean to say you're not to see mrs westlake at all if you want to he pursued i shouldn't have thought she was the kind of woman to suit you if the truth was known i don't think she's a socialist at all but then no more are you eh there is no one with a more passionate faith in the people than mrs westlake adela returned faith that won't do much good he was silent a little then went on to another subject rodman writes that he's no intention of giving up the money i knew it would come to that but the law will compel him adela exclaimed it's a roundabout business eldon's only way of recovering it is to bring an action against me then i shall have to go to law with rodman but how can he refuse it is she checked herself remembering that words were two-edged oh he writes in a friendly way makes a sort of joke of it we've to get what we can of him he says but he doesn't get off if i can help it i must see yottle on our way to-morrow keene wants me to write a book about new wanley he said presently a book well a small one it could be called my work at new wanley it might do good yes it might adela assented absently you look tired get off to bed you have to be up early in the morning and it will be a hard day adela went hopeful of oblivion till the hard day should dawn the next morning they were in belwick by half-past nine alfred took leave of them and went off to business he promised to look them up in london before very long probably at christmas between him and mutimer there was make-believe of cordiality at parting they had long ceased to feel any real interest in each other adela had to spend the time in the railway waiting-room whilst her husband went to see yottle it was a great bare place when she entered she found a woman in mourning with a little boy sitting alone the child was eating a bun his mother was silently shedding tears adela seated herself as far from them as possible out of delicacy but she saw the woman look frequently towards her and at last rise as if to come and speak she was a feeble helpless-looking being about thirty evidently the need of sympathy overcame her for she had no other excuse for addressing adela save to tell that her luggage had gone astray and that she was waiting in the hope that something might be heard of it finding a gentle listener she talked on and on detailing the wretched circumstances under which she had recently been widowed and her miserable prospects in a strange town whither she was going adela made an effort to speak in words of comfort but her own voice sounded hopeless in her ears in the station was a constant roaring and hissing bell ringing and the shriek of whistles the heavy trundling of barrows the slamming of carriage doors everywhere the smell of smoke it impressed her as though all the world had become homeless and had nothing to do but journey hither and thither in vain search of a resting-place 
and her waiting lasted more than an hour but for the effort to dry another's tears it would have been hard to restrain her own the morning had threatened rain when at length the journey to london began the black skies yielded a steady downpour mutimer was anything but cheerful establishing himself in a corner of the third-class carriage he for a time employed himself with a newspaper then throwing it on to adela's lap closed his eyes as if he hoped to sleep adela glanced up and down the barren fields of type but there was nothing that could hold her attention and by chance looking at her husband's face she continued to examine it perhaps he was asleep perhaps only absorbed in thought his lips were sullenly loose beneath the thick reddish moustache his eyebrows had drawn themselves together scowling she could not avert her gaze it seemed to her that she was really scrutinising his face for the first time and it was that of a stranger not one detail had the stamp of familiarity the whole repelled her what was the meaning now first revealed to her in that countenance the features had a massive regularity there was nothing grotesque nothing on the surface repulsive yet beholding the face as if it were that of a man unknown to her she felt that a whole world of natural antipathies was between it and her it was the face of a man by birth and breeding altogether beneath her never had she understood that as now never had she conceived so forcibly the reason which made him and her husband and wife only in name suppose that apparent sleep of his to be the sleep of death he would pass from her consciousness like a shadow from the field leaving no trace behind their life of union was a mockery their married intimacy was an unnatural horror he was not of her class not of her world only by violent wrenching of the laws of nature had they come together she had spent years in trying to convince herself that there were no such distinctions that only an unworthy prejudice parted class from class one moment of true insight was worth more than all her theorising on abstract principles to be her equal this man must be born again of other parents in other conditions of life i go back to london a mechanical engineer in search of employment they were the truest words he had ever uttered they characterised him classed him she had no claims to aristocratic descent but her parents were gentlefolk that is to say they were both born in a position which encouraged personal refinement rather than the contrary which expected of them a certain education and excess of life's barest need which authorised them to use the service of ruder men and women in order to secure to themselves a margin of life for life's sake perhaps for three generations her ancestors could claim so much gentility it was more than enough to put a vast gulf between her and the mutimers favourable circumstances of upbringing had endowed her with delicacy of heart and mind not inferior to that of any woman living mated with an equal husband 
the children born of her might hope to take their place among the most beautiful and the most intelligent and her husband was a man incapable of understanding her idlest thought he opened his eyes looked at her blankly for a moment stirred his limbs to make his position easier pouring rain in london streets the cab drove eastward but for no great distance adela found herself alighting at a lodging-house not far from the reservoir at the top of pentonville hill mutimer had taken these rooms a week ago a servant fresh from the blackleading of a grate opened the door to them grinning with recognition at the sight of mutimer the latter had to help the cabman to deposit the trunks in the passage then adela was shown to her bedroom it was on the second floor the ordinary bedroom of cheap furnished lodgings with scant space between the foot of the bed and the fireplace with a dirty wallpaper and a strong musty odour the window looked upon a backyard she passed from the bedroom to the sitting-room here was the same vulgar order the same musty smell the table was laid for dinner mutimer read his wife's countenance furtively he could not discover how the abode impressed her and he put no question when he returned from the bedroom she was sitting before the fire pensive you're hungry i expect he said her appetite was far from keen but in order not to appear discontented she replied that she would be glad of dinner the servant her hands and face half washed presently appeared with a tray on which were some mutton chops potatoes and cabbage adela did her best to eat but the chops were ill-cooked the vegetables poor in quality there followed a rice pudding it was nearly cold coagulated masses of rice appeared beneath yellowish water mortimer made no remark about the food till the table was cleared then he said they'll have to do better than that the first day of course you'll have to have a talk with the landlady whilst i'm out to-night just let her see that you won't be content with anything you have to talk plainly to these people yes i'll speak about it adela replied they made a trouble at first about waiting on us mutimer pursued but i didn't see how we could get our own meals very well you can't cook can you he smiled and seemed half ashamed to ask the question oh yes i can cook ordinary things adela said but we haven't a kitchen have we well no if we did anything of that kind it would have to be on this fire she charges us four shillings a week more for cooking the dinner he added this information in a tone of assumed carelessness i think we might save that adela said if i had the necessary things i should like to try if you will let me just as you please i don't suppose the stuff they send us up will ever be edible but it's too bad to ask you to do work of that kind oh i shan't mind in the least it will be far better better in every way mutimer brightened up in that case we'll only get them to do the housemaid work you can explain that to the woman her name is mrs gulliman he paused think you can make yourself at home here yes certainly that's all right i shall go out now for an hour or so you can unpack your boxes and get things in order a bit 
adela had her interview with mrs gulliman in the course of the evening and fresh arrangements were made not perhaps to the landlady's satisfaction though she made a show of absorbing interest and vast approval she was ready to lend her pots and pans till adela should have made purchase of those articles adela had the satisfaction of saving four shillings a week two days later mutimer sought eagerly in the fiery cross for a report of the proceedings at new wanley only half a column was given to the subject the speeches being summarized he had fully expected that the week's leader would be concerned with his affairs but there was no mention of him he bought the tocsin foremost stood an article headed the bursting of a soap bubble it was a satirical review of the history of new wanley signed by comrade rudehouse he read in one place undertakings of this kind even if purchased with genuine enthusiasm are worse than useless they are positively pernicious they are half measures and can only result in delaying the revolution it is assumed that working men can be kept in good temper with a little better housing and a little more money that is to aid the capitalists to smooth over huge wrongs with petty concessions to cry peace where there is no peace we know this kind of thing of old it is the whole system of wage earning that must be overthrown the ideas which rule the relations of employers and employed away with these palliatives let us rejoice when we see working men starving and ill-clad for in that way their eyes will be opened the brute who gets the uppermost farthing out of the toil of his wage slaves is more a friend to us in our cause than any namby-pamby socialist such as the late dukeling of new wanley socialist indeed but enough we have probably heard the last of this parvenu and his loudly trumpeted schemes no true friend of the revolution can be grieved mutimer bit his lip heard the last of me have they don't be too hasty rude house End of the second chapter 26